Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by special guest, Wendy Cunningham. Wendy is an author, a blogger, as well as a podcaster. Wendy was an atheist until she married her husband, and that started her conversion to the Christian faith. So we're going to be talking to her about her writing and her journey. So Wendy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Why don't you start off by just telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I live in middle Tennessee on an 84 acre homestead farm. So a little unusual. (laughs) We have three kids and I homeschool. I'm also an entrepreneur. As you mentioned, my other, I wear a lot of hats in my life, but I just like to share information and get to know people and help people and all of that stuff. So I'm excited to share my journey. I hope it inspires or encourages somebody who might be on a similar walk or know someone on a similar walk. Yeah. So kind of tell us how, first of all, you became an atheist and and what was that like and, and how you converted over to Christianity? Sure. It's a little bit of a lengthy story, but I'll do my best to give you the abridged version, but I, you know, you said, how did I become an atheist? And I think that in so many ways, whether you're an atheist or a Christian, you grow up with whatever is given to you. You know, it's not that I became an atheist. I just realized one day that's what I was because that's what my mom was, because that's what my grandma was. And all the people around me were that. And so that's what I was, you know, and I grew up in Northern California, which is a, it's an easy place. It's a comfortable place to be an atheist. It's not, um, not like the Bible belt that I live in now in Tennessee, that's for sure. So it was Christianity or any kind of God-centered, creation-centered faith, theory, idea, story was just missing from my upbringing which I think is like maybe unusual. You know, I did not, um, I never ever went to church. I didn't know anyone who went to church. And if, you know, my, my grandmother was the matriarch of our family, my mom's mom, and she was an atheist. It wasn't like she professed this, you know, strong, staunch atheist view. She just didn't believe in God. She thought it was silly. And that was that, you know, very matter of fact. And you know, if you're not exposed to any depth of understanding of who God is or what, what the, the creation theory is, then it's really easy to say, yeah, of course, a God I can't see and a God I don't, I can't prove. Yeah, that sounds silly and ridiculous. And so I adopted that because my mom went in that same thread and my dad was, you know, a little bit in and out of my life. And apparently I found out later after he passed away that he was raised Catholic, which is kind of funny because that was surprising. I didn't real, I never heard him say anything about God. 
So um, assuming that didn't take in terms of his faith, but um, yeah, I, I found myself in public school in California being taught about evolution and the big bang. And at that age, you know, middle school, I didn't care very much. And I thought, okay, those are perfectly fine explanations as to where we came from, you know, how we came to be on earth and evolution makes sense. We're kind of like monkeys. I get it. You know, I can follow. And so I just, the belief I already had from my, that was handed to me, it was just kind of reiterated and confirmed by what I was learning at school. And so then I found myself in my late teens, early twenties, just pretty, pretty adamant that this is the way it is. And no one was really challenging that. I didn't, like I said, I didn't, obviously wasn't going to church. I don't even remember a single person who I could have gone to youth group with or anything like that. There just was no church people, if you will, in my life. And so I never encountered that. And if I did, unfortunately, and this is something I still am very aware of now that I am a Christian, it was always negative. So I was an actor for 15 years and, you know, being in the theater space, you're in, encountering and in, in relationship with a lot of people that do a lot of different lifestyles. And I found that there was just a vicious attack from what I viewed as the church on gay people, on, you know, sexuality and all of this. And, you know, I, I understand and view it very differently now, but at the time, my perception of Christianity and the church was judgment and hatred. It was not love. It was not acceptance. It was not Jesus washes away. It was, you're going to hell, you know? And so that only reiterated, I do not want to be a part of that group, even if I understood what the heck they believe. And all of this culminated, and again, to go back to what I said at the beginning, I think it's similar if you're raised in the Christian faith, you know, you're, you might have been just gone to church from the early as you can remember, and your mom and your grandma and everybody believes that. And so you believe that. And I think that's equally as dangerous, even though that's true, Christianity is the truth. I think that's equally as dangerous because you never can, you can end up in your late teens and early twenties, like I did believing something, but having no idea why, having no idea how you actually got there, just finding yourself there. And, you know, Christianity and a relationship with Jesus is just that a relationship. And it is based on our individual walk and it is personal and intimate. And I think a lot of Christians now, especially that I live in, you know, kind of Christian culture here in the South, I see that, that people are the box checkers and they're not the relationship people. So it doesn't really matter what your story is. It, it's super important to go back and reevaluate. How did I get here? Why do I believe what I believe and really make it your own? And that's that journey for me started when I started dating my husband who, or my now husband, who was a Christian, was very strong in his faith, but he would tell you he wasn't very, he wasn't walking in his faith. And by that, I mean, he wasn't going to church there was nothing truly different about his life and other people's lives. You know, he wasn't set apart or anything that was like really remarkable or noticeable, but he was very, very kind, very, very generous, very um, not judgmental and very welcoming and everybody loved him and he loved everybody. And in that way, he was the first and best example of a Christian I had ever seen. Just that's 
he made me feel, and I, I, you know, I was a very broken, broken, broken person by the time I met him again, having no value system, you know, rooted in Christianity, just aimlessly blowing around in what the world says my value is you wind up, especially in the theater world and in Southern California and going off to college and all the things I found myself just very damaged and broken and lost and just, you know, so, so suffering. And so he looked at me different than other people. He did not see all that wounding. He did not judge me for the things I had done or the past that I was you know, trying to shake off. And that was so profound and remarkable. So in those ways, he really was walking out, you know, the love of Jesus and the example of Jesus. But when it came to conversations between he and I about what he believed and what I believed, I, you know, it's funny looking back because I'm like, it's really remarkable that I doubled down on what I believed because I just had no, there was just no footing. It was a very shallow belief system, but you know, when he was like, well, this is the truth and this is what I believe. And if we're going to move forward in a relationship, you know, I just need you to know where I'm at. And I just thought it was so absurd and ridiculous. And it was such an affront to me. And I was very, very defensive because I think there there's a lot of layers, but a lot of it had to do with, I am, if God is real, why is my life like this? Like, why has all this trauma happened to me? You know, and all of the things, I mean, this is not, there's, in my walk as a Christian, and as I've talked to people about my conversion from atheism, there really are like five main stumbling blocks. Like there's not a lot, all of us Christian or people converting to Christianity, we have the same questions, the same doubts, the same stumbling blocks. And one of those is why do bad things happen to good people? And that was most certainly something that I just could not wrap my head around but he was very gentle and very kind in our conversations about faith. And I was very aggressive and very defensive. And ultimately he just asked me, and this is the title of my, my book. He asked me, what if you're wrong? And of course the easy answer for me would have been, what if you're wrong? And, you know, just throwing it back at him. But I really took a moment to go, okay, I understand what you're getting at. There is a risk you believe that there is a, an eternal risk to me not getting this right. And, you know, I didn't believe that. I did not believe that I would be going to hell. I didn't believe in hell. And so, but I understood what he was getting at. And I recognized, I don't actually know why I believe so firmly what I believe. And I don't really know how I got to this belief, you know, why don't I believe in God? Why, where did that come from? And I started to evaluate all the things I've just told you. Well, because my grandma and my mom and my peers and my and school told me. And so it was very quick, you know, a quick revelation for me to go, okay, these are silly reasons for me to be so rooted in a faith when I have never even tried to understand what a faith in God is, or what are the, what is, what are the evidences of God or, you know, who's Jesus and how does he fit into the picture and so my husband was very gentle <laughs> in helping me navigate some of those conversations, but it was not an overnight conversion by any stretch. Honestly, it was years, lots of conversations. I'm using air quotes because they were more along the lines of maybe arguments <laughs> really from my side, not necessarily from his, but it was a journey. And I, you know, in evangelism, in evangelism, 
I think we have to realize that there is so much that has to be torn down and sifted through and then put back together for you to go from where I was to where Jesus is. Just everything I thought, every, you know, just belief structure, all the paradigms, like what's going to, at that point, when I was married to my husband, getting married to my husband, my grandmother, who was our matriarch, had passed away. So what does that mean for my grandma? You know, all of these things are, it is hard. It is hard to navigate those thoughts, just even in a reflection place, not even in a conversation place. But another thing that I recognize that my husband did differently that really mattered to me was he did not start with Jesus because Jesus is evidenced by the Bible. And if I don't believe in God, I certainly don't believe in the Bible or that the Bible has any authority. And if Jesus comes from the Bible, I don't believe in Jesus, you know? So it was like, that's not a good place to start because I can't even go with you on this premise yet. So he really started with, could you have been created at all? Not by God, but just, could you have been created as opposed to just poofed into skin, you know, thin air from the big bang. And so that's kind of where the, the beginning of the rebuilding was for me was thinking about that and going down the journey of, okay, let me really consider what it would be like to, you know, be created by an intelligent being versus like random rocks collided and, you know, (laughs) made a explosion, you know, which one is more likely both sound ridiculous when I really went back and looked at them. And so, um, it was a lot of that, just those basic questions of could I have been created? And if I, if I could have, what does that mean about who God is? And what does that mean if, if bad things have happened to me? What does that mean about God? What does that mean about me? And moving forward and then eventually getting to, okay, now I'm ready to look in the Bible and understand this piece of the puzzle. And then after that, okay, now I'm ready to understand Jesus and this piece of the puzzle. So it's not all at once. It is, or at least it was for me, very much a process, very much a journey. But the, this is really what it comes down to. My husband knew that, and this is, I remember this every time I have one of these conversations with someone who's either struggling with faith or doesn't believe it all. My husband knew that there is a absolute truth. It exists. God is either real or he isn't real. And there is an answer to that question. It is absolute. And if I am truly searching for the answer to that question, I'm not searching to be right. And he knew, uh, obviously I had pride and ego tied into this and I did want to be right. (laughs) I did want to be correct about my beliefs, but more than that, I wanted to know the truth. And he saw that in me and he saw that I was truly seeking what is the real answer to this question? And because he knew that he knew I was going to be saved because if you are seeking the answer to that question, there is only one answer and you will arrive at it. And our job as Christians is to send people on that search. It is not to connect all the dots. It is not to present a indisputable case about the, you know, the realness of God and how Jesus is great and all the things it is to ask questions, to listen, and to send people on the search for that truth. 
And if they are truly searching, they will find it because it exists. It is there. And that's ultimately what, what happened in the end is I came to a place where I could no longer just deny the truth of God and of Jesus. And that resulted in my salvation. Long story short. <laughs> well, tell us about those who are seeking the truth or, or desiring to know about God. Tell us about some resources that they can check out to find. Great question. Well, I, I wrote my book, What If You're Wrong, as a resource for both people who are searching and desiring to know, because I thought it's, you know, we are saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know, that, that is my testimony. This is my story. And I know there's power in it. And so I share my story, but I also share the steps and the navigation and the questions and where I found those answers. So that's absolutely a resource for someone searching, but it's also a resource for someone like you or I, as a Christian who desires to know how do I engage my believing family member or coworker or whatever, I'm sorry, my non-believing family worker or coworker in a conversation that will be fruitful. And so it's a resource for either those people. Um, also, I found tremendous evidence and answers, and I was just really blown away by the Lee Strobel um, trilogy. There's books and movies, The Case for Christ, The Case for a Creator, and The Case for Faith, and specifically A Case for Christ, you know, when you really are looking at the evidence of Jesus and, and God, because Jesus is the evidence of God. So if you're looking for the evidence of Jesus, it really hinges on the resurrection. And did he resurrect from the dead? Because if he did that, then he is who he said he is, you know, and so Lee Strobel was an atheist similar to me and his wife became a Christian and he set out as an investigative journalist by trade to prove her wrong. And because he was truly searching and following the information, he found that she is right and he was converted. So I related to that obviously. And I found he laid it out in almost, it puts you in the position of being a juror, you know, where you can truly look at the evidence and think, is this beyond a reasonable doubt? You know, is this true? And so I loved that a lot of C.S. Lewis work, his work, um, uh, Surprised by Joy was a great book that I read also just his conversion. Um, he says he was an atheist and I think in ways he was, but he was grown up in the, he grew up in the church, C.S. Lewis. And, um, I think he, like so many people who call themselves atheists, so many of them are just deniers of God, not truly disbelieving in God, but denying him. And I think that's more the case of where C.S. Lewis found himself, but um, those were kind of big ones for me. And I'm trying to think if there was another one, but it's slipping my mind right now. Well, the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. So, so what is your opinion or your feeling about Christians marrying non-believers? So good. And I totally talk about that too in the book because yeah, there's, that is a thing. And I, how that played out in our story is my husband's father rightfully said, you cannot marry her. She is not a Christian. Now he loved me then. And he loves me now. And we are great. We have a great relationship, but at the time 
that hurt me and did not feel Christian or loving or accepting or non-judgmental, right? So it really wounded me. I see it differently now. I understand where he was coming from. My husband, knowing that scripture and believing in, you know, God's commandments or God's commands more broadly, did marry me as an atheist, because like I said, he saw, and you know, this is, (laughs) he, he totally sinned by marrying me. There's no question, but he saw that I was on the journey and because I was seeking truth, I was going to find it. And the Bible also says, as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. You know, if we seek, we will find him. And my husband put his faith in those scriptures that she is seeking him and he is chasing after her. I do believe we both believed at the time that my husband was divinely positioned in my life, truly as not the savior, but a savior in my life and absolutely pivoted the whole direction of my life. And I'm very grateful for that. And I see that as just, it it makes me emotional to think like God was working in my life actively before I was acknowledging him. That is so just testimony to the goodness of God that he is doing that for unbelievers. You know, he is working and and moving them towards the people that are going to shift their perspective. So he knew that, and he was putting faith in, in other scriptures that I was on my journey. And even at our wedding, I did allow, I allowed (laughs) a prayer at our wedding. So that was a big step. And I also allowed, I make it sound like I made all the rules and he, he just, he was just being very sensitive. I also had the person who married us was my one friend from high school who also served as a savior, not the savior in my life. Just a great friend who was a Christian, who um, just showed me that I had value outside of, you know, the typical ways the world will tell you, you have value. And so I had him marry us. And I think my husband saw that as like a, a serious move of where my heart was softening. But I will just say it very plainly that his sin and disobedience in that moment was some of my biggest blessing. And I don't disbelieve that verse. I hope and pray that my children, I have three, marry Christians. That's my hope and intent for them. And I, you know, I'm, I tell them that and I explain why that's important and that about that verse, but I also try not to get out in front of what God has and, you know, there is a God and I'm not him. And so I'm I'm aware that God works in weird ways and he can absolutely use what the enemy meant for evil, for our good. And he certainly did that for Tom. I'm sure it could have gone a different way. The enemy was certainly working in my life and he was trying to get to Tom through me, but God was working through Tom in his life to trying to get to me. And so of course, God is stronger and it worked in that situation, but that's not a great and straightforward answer, but I see it both ways. And I'm grateful he disobeyed that (laughs) that command. And ultimately it, um, you know, it worked out. We're very equally yoked now. Well, let's talk about what role apologetics play in somebody's faith. Gosh, uh, I would like to say it should play a huge role. Um, I don't know that it does play a huge role in everyone's faith. Actually, as I was writing 
the book, I was in a writer's group with three other Christians and, you know, we would submit and we would, they would edit my work and we would talk about it. And these three Christians, well, two of the three had always been believers, you know, they had been raised in the church and I was posing questions and giving evidence in my book that they had never thought of, you know, and, and so as lifelong Christians, they were just looking through these, these lenses for the first time. And I found that really remarkable. I'm like, you've never looked for the answer to that question. You've never thought about that, that question or that scenario and and how you would explain that. You know, I just think of it as I know my kids are going to ask me questions and I want to be an authority for them. I want to give them resources and direct them. And of course the Bible says that we are to give a defense for our faith. We're supposed to be able to explain the source of our joy and of our, our belief. And so it has absolutely been a big part of my journey. And I didn't even know that's what it was called until later apologetics, but, um, that's what I was doing. I was looking for the science of it, or I was looking for the, um, logical explanation of it. You know, I was reading, I've, I love Ken Ham. He's an apologetic um, uh, author. He has homeschool curriculum. I'm a homeschool mom. So he did the arc in Kentucky. There's like a full life-sized arc and it's tremendous. And he, he orchestrated all that. So he is, has been a great resource also for just apologetic um, books and, and research and, and videos. And I've heard him speak a couple of times Um, But it should absolutely play a role because we should be able to, we're not going to open our mouth and share Jesus with people if we're not confident. And I think that's what happens is we don't know the answers. And so we don't want to be asked the questions. And so we don't go into the conversation. We might be more willing to invite someone to church so that the, the pastor can do the teaching and they can do all the, you know, giving of the information, but there's a lot of people, myself included, who will, who would have never walked in the doors of a church. I was never going to get the message from, from that platform. I needed it to come from a one-to-one intimate conversation where I had the room and the space to ask questions, to be defensive, to push back. You know, I, I needed that. That's what was Otherwise I was just defensive and I would just write it off. You know, I wouldn't even engage in the conversation. So we will be more effective at sharing our faith and the love of Jesus when we are super confident and it will increase your own level of faith in how good God is. And when hardship comes in our lives, because it does, and it will, he it, your faith is anchored more and more. The, the more you dig in, the more you read the word, the more you understand the history of these books. And, you know, I went on a deep dive of how historically accurate is the Bible? Like, where does this even come from? Cause so much of this, like we just believe. And it's like, if you actually read the Bible so much is like, this is crazy. You know, this is, these are a lot of laws or the old Testament is just, there's so many stories that you're like, is that even like possible? And so understanding the history behind the Bible and how uh, authenticated it is. And again, Lee Strobel shed a, shed a lot of light on that for me in his research and his books, but that was super important in strengthening my faith. And I do feel very grateful 
to have come to faith as an adult because of apologetics and because I had to go so deep and understand things. I was, there was no childlike faith with me at the beginning at all. I was not just accepting it by any stretch. I needed to have as many answers to as many questions and all the dots connected as much as I possibly could before I was willing to take a step because so much was on the line. I was coming from an entire family of atheists who I knew if I step across this line, if I believe that does nothing for my mom, my sister, my cousins, my aunts, my grandma, my dad, who's passed away, like nothing. And that is hard. And so I had to be just absolutely convinced that this was the truth, you know, and because of that utter conviction that I had then and that has only grown now, it has led to salvation in my family, you know, not completely, but certainly more than I could have ever imagined because I'm not, I, I can't be shaken. I know what I know, what I know, and I can explain it and I can show you and I can point to it and it excites me. And so again, I'm very lengthy and wordy on my responses to you tonight. <laughs> oh, well, they, the responses are definitely great. Tell <laughs> us about your blog and your podcasts and your writings and where people can check them out and what they're all about. Sure. You can find everything about me at gainingmyperspective.com. That's my blog. My podcast is also called Gaining My Perspective Podcast. It's linked there. My book is there. Um, I am about to release a 30-day devotional uh, probably in the next month as um, it's called A Devotional for a Divided Nation. I My podcasts, my blogs are tend towards just gaining perspective on what's happening in the world, trying to look through a Christian lens at the just culture and what is, I mean, it has been a a tremendous couple of years. I know I don't have to tell you. <laughs> so there's been a lot to stew on and reflect on and look at. And I just am always thinking like, what does God think about this? Or what does the Bible say about this? Or what is Holy Spirit telling me about this? And so I'm just using my platform to share my thoughts and, and offer my perspective to help me, you know, gain through just my own uh, dialogue, but also through dialoguing with other people. So that's kind of what I am about these days over there at my website. And I've gotten off social media for the moment. So that's really the only place I live is <laughs> on my website. Well, that answers my question about your contact information. So go ahead and close us out with some final thoughts, anything that we haven't touched on that you would want to talk about or just any final thoughts you might have. Gosh, I just want to encourage people listening to this, whether they are on the fence or, you know, maybe walking through a rough moment in their faith, or maybe they're brand new in their faith, or maybe you, you have family members that aren't believing, have walked away. Just, I just want to encourage you that God is chasing you down, chasing them down, whoever it is that's on your heart or in your mind, or whether maybe it's you, it was hard for me to really wrap my head around that, especially because I had such a flawed and human father on earth. It was really hard for me to think of this 
perfect, good, loving father in heaven and how he viewed me and how much he loved me and how much he was chasing after me. And I just rest in that all the time that when I'm praying over my family members who are walking in, you know, struggles, whether in and out in or out of the faith that I just rest in knowing that God is good and he loves them more than I love them. He loves my kids more than I love them. He has amazing plans and I just need to do my best to not mess it up too much because <laughs> he has orchestrated all the details and thought of everything. And even when I step out of his plan or, or you have stepped out of his plan or someone, you know, has stepped out of his plan, he's going to use it. And it's, you know, it's not wasted and it will be redeemed all of it. And it will be for a purpose. It is for a purpose. And I just want to encourage you because this is a rough time, but I, I, I do think that revival is coming in a big way in our, in our generation. And this time we will see it. Um, it's already beginning. I feel it. I see people anchoring in deeper, um, more people turning, even in my own family, just turning very fully towards the Lord. And it is so encouraging to me. So I just want to encourage people with that. Absolutely. Well said, ladies and gentlemen, Wendy Cunningham, please be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible. There's a lot of people in need of hearing her message and in need of God. And if you're an Android listener, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Wendy, thank you so much for joining me today and for the great message. My pleasure. Thank you. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.